Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 20. Today's episode is all about getting back up from life's biggest falls. People hear my story and they think, oh, wow, that's amazing. But somehow it doesn't apply to them because they're minimizing whatever they're going through. But we face challenges all the time. The opportunity is there all the time. And the choice is ours to make if we can be conscious of it in the moment. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hi, friends. I hope you all had an amazing Easter. I got to go up north and visit family, and it's one of my favorite holidays. Everyone just seems so much more laid back than they do around Christmas time. Plus, we have this tradition of doing a raw egg toss. But to be honest, this is my first Easter being fully vegan, and I don't know how I feel about it anymore. But I know, I know, totally not the point. Holidays and family gatherings are a great reminder of what's really important. My family is one of my greatest blessings. I know not everyone has family in their life, but it can also be a really good time to think about what you are grateful for or to acknowledge all the things that we have in general. I am so excited about today's guest and she's the perfect person to serve as that reminder for us. She was recently recognized by the California State Legislator as a finalist for a Woman of Influence Award. She's a storyteller, speaker, writer, and coach, and her goal is to elevate the way humans relate to change, challenge, and adversity. Today's guest, Leanna Strelkoff, was a lifelong dancer until she was paralyzed at the age of 33. But her unique approach used this tragedy to catapult her career and personal life forward, and now somehow she's happier than she's ever been. So in today's episode, not only will you hear the most powerful story that's been on this show so far, but three key things we will learn are how to find acceptance after life's biggest falls, how to find opportunities to become more than we were with every challenge, and two things that we naturally do that get in the way of that. But before I bring Leanna on the show, I want to invite you all to sign up for the Morning Mind Love. You'll get short daily reminders of your own beauty, worth, and power to start each day with a positive mindset to keep your vibes up between episodes. To sign up, all you have to do is visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. First, you'll get our exclusive Powerless booklet. It's an awesome free booklet based on proven principles from the most successful people and some of our favorite guests. And you'll get a free guided affirmation meditation set at the miracle tone of the solfeggio scale. 
It's a specific tone said to help attract love, health, and abundance. Set along with these affirmations to rewire those neural pathways can be super powerful. Listeners have been absolutely loving the Morning Mind Love, by the way. I've been sending personalized thank you videos to every single person who signs up, asking for feedback and suggestions for the show. And I have been blown away from the responses I'm getting from you guys. Michelle from Idaho says reading the Morning Mind Love is her favorite part of her morning routine. So just head to mindlove.com to sign up. Or again, if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. But now what we've all been waiting for, let's welcome Leanna Strelkoff to the show. Leanna, let's start out with your story. Sure, of course. Um, so the story is uh, about 16 years ago in 2002, I was on a date and I was hiking in the Malibu Hills of Southern California. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, my life was kind of a wreck <laughs> at that time. Um, I had a lot of uh, depression and anxiety. My career as an actress was going nowhere. Um, I was in and out of relationships. Like I, I wasn't in acute distress, but I, I really was not living the life I wanted to live. I was in this brand new relationship. We've been dating a couple months and we went on this hike and I saw this tree that was uh, perfect. You know, it had all the branches in exactly the right place. And I had grown up backpacking and hiking and climbing. And, and I went backcountry backpacking for the first time when I was five with no tent, no bathroom, no trail, you know. And um, so it was a really natural and normal thing for me to do. And I, I climbed this tree hoping that I would feel better. Like I was just feeling anxious about my life that day. Um, I was about 30 feet up in the tree and um, my date, Dean, he started climbing too. And then while I was listening to him tell this really, really long joke, I heard a crack. And I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you just know everything there is to know. I heard the crack and I sweep my arms in front of me and in that moment I just realized, okay, I'm going down. And there's nothing I can do about that. And 1.2 seconds later, I was on the ground and I, had, um, I hadn't hit anything on the way down. I fell directly backward until I hit the earth. And I shattered my 11th vertebra and I crushed my spinal cord completely. And so in that moment, instantly, I was paralyzed from the waist down. And while that is a devastating event for anyone that it happens to, however it happens, for me personally, because I was an avid outdoors person, because I was extremely active, and because I was a lifelong dancer, what I was losing in that moment was so much more than my ability to walk or, um, you know, to pee by myself or any of the things that, that go with complete paralysis. I was losing my entire identity and my greatest joy in life. So you can imagine that, um, you know, you would think that would be a really hard thing. 
And I had certainly expected it to be. Paralysis was, in fact, my worst conscious fear. This was something I had thought about in my years of dancing, that um, you know that would be the worst possible thing I could imagine happening to me, and here it was happening. So I absolutely expected paralysis to devastate my life. But it didn't. In fact, it did exactly the opposite. Becoming paralyzed as hard as it was, was this extraordinary catalyst. And everything in my life turned to gold after I was injured. My mental health got better, um, infinitely better, you know, without medication. Um, my personal relationships settled down. I found the love of my life and got married. I had a baby. My career absolutely skyrocketed. I went from being an unknown, um, well-respected, but totally unknown local actor to being a nationally touring um, professional with you know, critical acclaim, doing my one-woman show all over the country, and later went on to develop a coaching practice and to speak all over the country. I mean, my income, I think, went up by something like 10,000%. I mean, it, it just, the, the, the benefits to my life were extraordinary. Um, and it became clear that that happened not despite paralysis, but because of it. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. I can't even imagine this as a yogi and a generally active person. What would happen to me if I lost the ability to move my body in the ways that I love doing every day? Being happy after something like that, let alone happier, is just hard to fathom. Take us through your journey of acceptance. How long did it take you to go from feeling like this would devastate your life to realizing something bigger was happening? Yeah, this, I'm so glad that you asked me that because this is really, it makes me weep. This is my favorite part of my own story. So, you know, I said that I was really anxious that day and I had been in a car accident about a week before I fell. 
And I'd been um, driving through an intersection and a, and a woman made a left turn into the front of my car and totaled my car. And thankfully, neither of us were injured, but it was a really big deal for me. And I had really been asking the universe, like, what is going on here? Clearly something is going on. And I said out loud, I, I know that something's going on, but I, I don't understand. So please try again, because I really want to know. Five days later, I'm standing in a tree and I hear this crack. And I know that I'm going to go down. And I know there's nothing I can do. And I realize in that moment that I have a choice. That I can fight to control everything that's happening to me. Everything that's going to happen to my life. Like I have done my entire life up to that point. Or I can let go. I can let this happen. And the fact is it's very, very easy to surrender when you know there's nothing you can do. <laughs> you know, it's hard to surrender when we think we have maybe some influence over something. But I knew that the, absolutely nothing was going to keep me from hitting the ground. And so I took that opportunity and I just sort of relaxed into the experience of falling. And Melissa, it was pure bliss. The entire world dropped into slow motion. I hung in the air, like I never had a sense I was getting closer to the ground because I was falling backwards. So I, I didn't see it coming toward me. I never felt like I was, I felt like I was hanging in the air in this suspended bliss. I had time to notice how peaceful I felt. I had time to notice that I'd never felt that way in my whole life. I had time to notice that TV and movies got it right, that we really do drop into slow motion in these kinds of circumstances. I had time to look at my own body and notice the shape of it, like the shape of my arms. I had time to notice the branches, the leaves, everything. And when the ground hit me, which is what it felt like, I didn't lose that sense. I, I wasn't knocked out. It didn't knock the wind out of me. It hurt. There was a lot of pain. I couldn't breathe. Um, uh, what had happened is a one rib in the back had snapped in a really horrible way and ripped a huge hole in my right lung. So my right lung was collapsed and I, I couldn't get enough air in and it was exceedingly painful to try to breathe. Like I was breathing in these puny little breaths. Um, so it's not that it, it wasn't a hard experience. But I wasn't panicked. And I, I felt this incredible calm. And um, when my boyfriend had to leave me to meet the paramedics at the trailhead to bring them in because we were off trail, I heard a voice inside my head that said, everything you need to know is happening right now. And of course, I immediately started scanning, like, what is happening right now? And the three things that were clear to me in that moment were surrender, presence, and faith. And so right from the beginning, literally before I hit the ground, I knew that I like something miraculous was happening. And I didn't know what it was, and I didn't know where it was going, and I didn't know what I would discover along the way. But right from the beginning, I knew that something different was happening. Now, that's not to say that there weren't moments later, you know, I spent two months in a rehab hospital and 
those were some of the worst and hardest days of my life, even worst nights of my life. But even during that time, I just had this sense like something special is happening here. And, and so I guess in a way, I accepted it almost before it happened. And that's something I never would have expected from myself. Immediately following your fall, I'm sure there was a lot of chaos with going to the hospital and meeting paramedics or an ambulance and all of this happening within a new relationship. Whatever happened to your date, Dean? How did he handle it all? <laughs> so many people ask, what happened to Dean? Yeah, it was, uh, there was tremendous chaos, not only that day and over the next few weeks, um, but just adjusting and all the things you have to learn when you're paralyzed to compensate for what you've lost, just physically, you know, just, just on the most basic physical level. How do I get dressed? How do I um, pee and poop? And, you know, all those things are affected. So it's such a huge deal. And then there's the whole emotional side of it and the psychic injury of it. And it, it's very, very complex for sure. And here I have this guy in my life, which thankfully I had been friends with him for a couple of years. So it wasn't like we didn't know each other at all, but we'd only been dating for a few months. And here he is the sole witness. And, you know, the truth is this experience happened to both of us. His experience of it was radically different. You know, for him, it took 1.2 seconds and it was nothing but nightmare. Um, but he's the only person that was there. He's the only person that holds that with me. And that was really special to me. So in the beginning, you know, we were super, super close. He, I did my rehab in Colorado, even though I was injured in California. And so he came out to Colorado. He stayed with me for several days. Um, he came out again when I was ready to fly home. He flew home with me. We continued to date when I got home. And the whole time, you know, we're still getting to know each other and we're still doing all that sort of new dating stuff, only we have this major complication in our life now. And every time he would talk about the future, every time he would be brave enough to kind of float these questions, these ideas, like, you know, if we wanted to stay together and, you know, are you interested in getting married someday? You know, those kinds of things. I would say things like, you know, my life expectancy went down by 10 years the minute I hit the ground. And he'd be like, yeah, I, I, I know. <laughs> I got that. And then the next time he brought it up, I'd say, you know, my chances of getting bladder cancer are now so much higher because I'm a daily catheter user. And my feeling about it, you know, a lot of people have asked me, weren't you afraid that he would leave you? And, and I was so much more afraid that he would stay for the wrong reasons that he would stay out of guilt or obligation or some warped sense of responsibility and that, you know, eventually he'd become really resentful and he'd screw up both our lives. And so I was desperate to make sure that he understood exactly what he was getting into. And one day after I had done this at least three or four times, he finally said to me, Leanna, you got to stop. I really get what we're dealing with here. And I took that to mean you have to let us dream. And on the third year anniversary um, of the fall, Dean asked me to marry him. 
And on December 31st, 2006, we got married. And we just celebrated our, what, 11th wedding anniversary. <laughs> so we are very much still together. And we have together a beautiful baby boy. In 2007, I gave birth to our son. When I was researching you for this interview, I found a video that your husband Dean posted on YouTube of your first dance at your wedding, which I'm embedding in the show notes at mindlove.com slash 020. You can just see the love between the two of you. But what struck me the most was the description of the video says it isn't choreographed. Instead, you two worked with a choreographer to create a movement vocabulary where you two play off of each other's movements. What was that like for you? Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> so I have this extremely extensive da dance background. Um, Dean himself has had a lot of dance training and, and movement training. His mom was a ballet teacher, so, you know, he had to take ballet as a kid. And uh, when it when it came time, when I knew we were getting married, you know, when we had gotten engaged and we're starting to plan this wedding, one of the big heartbreaks for me about being paralyzed for that event in my life was the first dance. Um, because I've been choreographing that dance my whole life. Like you hear stories about other little girls who are dreaming about their wedding dress or um, the cake that they're going to have at their wedding. For me, it was the dance. It was the first dance. And I couldn't do that movement anymore. But the first dance was still so incredibly important to me. You know, dance and movement, it's, this is not just my great love in life. You know, this is, this is the, the primal, purest, most essential form of my personal expression. So the idea that we would somehow not have a first dance, I mean, that was just inconceivable. So I had had the great privilege of working with a professional dance company called Axis Dance in Oakland, California, who's a mixed ability dance company, able-bodied dancers and dancers with various physical disabilities. And I had uh, done a couple of workshops with them, two summers in a row, two intensives. And so I reached out there to one of the dancers and choreographers there and said, will you just work with us? Will you help us develop a vocabulary? And I thought that we were going to choreograph it, you know, sort of top to bottom. And that didn't end up happening. But we did sort of learn this, this way of being with each other in a, in a dance context. And I already knew the song that I wanted. That's um, uh, by Suzanne Tang. Y'all should totally look her up. Um, and her music was featured very, very, very prominently in the one-woman show that I ended up writing about this fall and that I toured nationally for five years. So Suzanne's music is, you know, deeply close to my heart, deeply close to this time in my life. And so when it came down to it, we just, we put that music on and we, we just kind of let it happen. I'll, I'll tell you something that my favorite part of that dance is actually the end of it because the beginning is this, this seduction really. And by the time you get to the end, it's so goofy. And there's a, you know, there's a, my family's Russian. And so there's this moment where Dean like does this, oh God, this, this 
incredibly bad rendition of some sort of, I mean, totally comically, this Russian dancing and, and, and then he's sort of pulling me to and from with the chair. And at one point I lick his nose. Like it, it's just, that's so our relationship. It's this incredibly deep love. And, and we've had, you know, super difficult challenges to work through and there's so much play in our life and Dean brings a lot of that that's that's his superpower and and so the dance brought all of that together it was an incredible moment for for us and I think actually for our audience too we had a hundred people at our wedding and I think for the people watching somehow that dance was an embodiment of hope that you can go through something so devastating and you can find in it such glory such beauty such grace such love such treasures and that that really has become my life's work since i was injured this feels so symbolic of your entire story you have these expectations this perfectly choreographed life and then you find out that the best way to do this dance is by building a vocabulary of trust and just going with the flow. But even with acceptance, it has to be so hard. What's the hardest part of paralysis? I think the hardest part is the grief. It's, it's the, the sort of soul-shattering grief for what you've lost. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that paralysis is this very complex experience. So the most visible thing that I've lost and that people tend to kind of fixate on is, you know, that I can't walk or for me that I can't dance, but there's all these internal systems and, you know, organ systems that are compromised and I have to compensate for that. I have to um, that affects my diet. It affects, Oh God, it affects so many things. Um, and I can't feel anything from below the waist, like basically my belly button down. I have no function below the waist and I have no sensation of any kind. So I can't tell if I'm being burned. Um, I don't know, you know, I took off my socks once and found, it all bloody because somehow my toenail had gotten caught up in something and had gotten ripped. And I didn't know. Um, I have broken bones just getting in the car. I broke my femur stretching on the bed. Like there, there's, I, I can't even begin to, <laughs> to paint the picture of how complicated it is and what gets lost because of that. Um, my sexual sensation, you know, I can feel nothing, nothing between the waist. And that, that's probably the hardest loss of all for me now, 16 years later, to tell you the truth. So I think the hardest thing, at least for me, is the grief. How do I get through that? There's two, two really important pieces to that. The first is that I am as honest as I can be at any given moment with myself about what I'm feeling. I really have a problem with um, our culture's attachment or, or leaning on sort of let's all be positive, you know, let's all have gratitude. 
positivity and gratitude are awesome. Don't get me wrong. But there is a, there's a point at which we make a big mistake there, which is that we stop telling ourselves the truth about what's happening. And I find for me that that gets in the way of that feeling, whether it's grief or anger or frustration or sadness, fear, it, it, it holds it to me instead of letting it pass through. If I deny that I'm having it, if I turn my head from it, if I try to force myself into some sort of positivity or gratitude or look on the bright side, I just feel that stuff longer. And so the first thing is about being really honest with myself and allowing those feelings, that grief, to have some kind of expression. And that, you know, sometimes that's just crying into my pillow. It's as simple as that. But other times it's, it's some sort of creative expression. You know, I'll, I'll put paint on a piece of paper. And, you know, I'm not a trained artist or anything. I just put paint on a piece of paper with the intention that, I'm expressing that grief somehow. Sometimes I'll just finger paint and I'll paint over paint over paint. It's, I'm not intending to make a picture. I'm just giving it a voice that's in a safe context. So that's the first piece of it. The second piece of it is that every challenge, this is what I teach, every challenge that we face is the opportunity to become more than we've been before. And so I'm always asking myself, what is here for me? What does, is there something I can learn? Is there some way I can grow? Is there some, something I can see in a new way? Is there a gift here? What is here for me? And that is true in, in all those hard feelings and all those hard moments. And because I'm always looking for that, I'm always finding that. And that helps me get through whatever is being hard in whatever moment it's being hard. I think you're spot on regarding this notion of a positive mindset and how it can sometimes hinder the grieving process. Just like with my own trauma, I tried to rise above it, push it aside. And because I didn't deal with it, it manifested in my body in other ways through an eating disorder, intestinal damage, and a lot of other negative spiraling habits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the, the way that it sort of seeps out of your pores. You know, I had a client um, years ago who I'm still really close to, and she had a very similar experience to what you just described. She was this uber, uber positive person, always trying to be a good person, um, cheerful, you know, lift everybody up kind of thing. And one day in her early 30s, she broke out in spots, like her whole body in this mysterious rash. And she was itching and, and nobody, everybody was like, you know, they couldn't diagnose it. They, it wasn't anything that it's supposed to be. And she couldn't figure out what was going on. And she went to see all these specialists and alternative specialists. And finally, finally, it started to become clear that she had all this rage. She had all this anger that she had just never, ever, ever allowed herself to have, to feel, to express in a safe way. And it was literally oozing out of her skin. <laughs> and it wasn't until she found a way to have that expression that the spots went away. Hold that thought. 
The Mind Love Podcast is supported by CastBox, the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on iOS and Android. CastBox has over 50 million free episodes that more than 13 million users download and listen to wherever, whenever. CastBox has also pioneered a brand new way to search. All you have to do is enter a keyword or phrase and CastBox will search all show titles and transcripts of every single episode to deliver exactly what you're looking for. So head over to your app store, download CastBox and try it for yourself today. I think a lot of us have lost that connection with our bodies and the ability to listen to what it's trying to tell us. I've always thought of myself as a seeker, but I have to remind myself that the answer isn't out there. It's within me. We're each so powerful and we hold all of the answers within ourselves. We just have to be with ourselves long enough to find those answers. And to, and to be fair, that being with ourselves, man, it's uncomfortable. You know, that's why we don't do it. That's why we don't do it. Those feelings, they're uncomfortable that being in the not knowing, it's really uncomfortable. That's why getting support, finding the right support for you is so important because there's a reason that we're not doing that. And it's not just because we don't think of it or, um, or because we're distracted by other things. It, it doesn't feel good to go there when you're not in the habit of going there. And it feels scary and you feel like you're never going to come out again or that it's going to overwhelm you. You know, my mom is a concentration camp survivor. And um, I've watched my whole life how she sort of avoids the things that really upset her, you know, the things in current day that, that really upset her. And I know that it's because she has this sort of fear that if she, if she opens the floodgates, that she'll get swept under by all these feelings. And I think that there's probably in her case some truth to that because she's probably been for survival stakes stuffing a lot of those feelings for a long time. And so we might need to open it slowly and we might need help to do that. But it's so important. It's so, so important. You know, my mom is actually a major catalyst in the work that I do today because about two years after I was injured, and here my life is absolutely turning to gold and touring all over the country. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy. And I'm having dinner with my mom one night. And I say to her, um, you know, isn't it amazing that something so horrible and devastating can happen and such glorious life can come out of it? And she looked at me and she said, it is. It is amazing. But How? How is that happening? And I felt like, you know, the whole weight of her history and being born a refugee and all the wars that she's been through and concentration camp and refugee camp for five years and tuberculosis and, you know, all her drama, the weight of all of that, like, how do I turn that into goodness? How do I use that? how are you doing this? And I thought, wow, that's really the question, isn't it? And I thought, I can answer that question. I have the skills to do that. I happen to have a master's degree in human development. I had that before I fell. It's like, I can do this. And so I sat down and I looked at what are there attitudes that I have? Are there 
Are there actions that I take, habits that I have, perspectives? Like, how is this happening to me? This shouldn't be happening. I should be devastated. I shouldn't be able to pick my head up off the pillow. My life should be over. Why isn't it? And I started to deconstruct what was going on inside me and around me and the choices that I was making. And I created from that a whole philosophy, a whole way of life called the Shiro's Way. Because what I realized is that every challenge we face, it doesn't have to be catastrophic. It certainly doesn't have to be paralysis. You know, I've worked with women going through divorce, um, women who have lost children, and women who are in far less severe circumstances, who um, have left a job that, that was really important to them. It still hurt them, but they, they recognize that their life is not in danger. You know, their, their essence is not in danger. Every challenge holds this opportunity within it to become more than we were, brighter, bolder, braver. We just have to know how to harness that. It's, it doesn't happen accidentally. And the things that we naturally do get in the way. What are the things that we naturally do? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I could hear that question coming about two seconds before you said it. What are the natural things we do? Okay, so there's a couple. Um, when you imagine something really hard happening and, and you may have experience in your life that you can look back to or you can imagine in the future something maybe that you're afraid of happening, there's a couple responses that humans typically have. One is um, we run and hide. You know, you sort of bury your head in the sand. This isn't happening or I'm not, I'm not going to face that. We all know that's not a super... Um, productive response, but it's superhuman. You know, we all do it. We all do it at one time or another. So that's one possibility. Another is that we take a very adversarial stance. We have this sense that either it's going to beat us or we're going to beat it. And if we don't beat it, it's definitely going to beat us. So we, we take it on with this sort of determination and motivation. And that can be productive and, and useful, but there's something, that's what I did, incidentally, when I was first paralyzed. I was like, oh, I'm going to be the, the miracle case who gets all her feeling and all her function back. And I know it's never happened for somebody injured to the degree that I'm injured, but that's okay. I, I don't have a problem being the first. And I was going to take this on, and I'll tell you something, that practice nearly killed me. Um, I got so sick in the hospital. And it became so evident that I had to have a more authentic relationship with what was happening to me. Like I could not sustain for as long as I was going to have to sustain it, that sort of like warrior stance, that, that adversarial stance. And so simply by necessity, I developed a different stance, which is that I entered into a dance with paralysis, which of course makes sense because that's what I know how to do. But that's what I did with paralysis. I was like, all right, you're in the room. I'm in the room. Who are you? What, what do you have for me? What are you bringing into this room? I didn't give up. I didn't just lay down. But I also didn't bring out my battle axe and try to take it down. I got curious instead. And I found that that is what opened all the doors. 
that if I was fighting or hiding, I was missing out. But if I was curious, there was magic everywhere, everywhere. From the way that people spoke to me, from the kind of synchronicities that were showing up in my life, from the life lessons that were being handed to me, almost like a, like a voice just speaking into my head saying, this is what you need to do. And this is where you've been falling down. And this is why, and here's what you need to do instead. I mean, it was like, I don't even, I don't even, I don't have words. I really, I don't have words, but that's what I got access to by making this shift away from hiding, away from fighting and towards curiosity, towards relationship. You know, I can't undo what happened. But I have every choice about how I respond to what has happened. And I chose to be curious. I chose to get into relationship. And that, that's what did it. That's what changed everything. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, <laughs> and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. 
receive a free element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. That makes so much sense. It's like dropping the expectations and instead asking what's available to you in that. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. That's exactly right. In every situation, that's right too. Like sometimes I think people hear my story and they think, oh, wow, that's amazing. Um, But somehow it doesn't apply to them because they're minimizing whatever they're going through. And it's true, they may not be going through something catastrophic, but we face challenges all the time. We face challenges every day. We have, we, you know, struggles in our personal relationships. Even the traffic jam, when you're trying to get to an important meeting, the opportunity is there all the time, all the time. And the choice is ours to make if we can be conscious of it in the moment. I imagine that pregnancy and childbirth presented a whole new slew of challenges. What was that like for you? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, you know, it's funny. Paralysis did not rob me of my independence. I went to a very, very great specialty hospital for spinal cord injury called Craig Hospital in Colorado, and I came home virtually utterly independent. However, pregnancy <laughs> stole my independence completely. Um, I, I was laid out while I was pregnant, and we couldn't for the longest time figure out why. Of course, during the first trimester, everybody was saying, well, it's just the first trimester. You know, it'll get better. But it wasn't getting any better. And I was so laid out that I couldn't get – I didn't have the strength, the energy to get from the bed to the bathroom by myself. Like to transfer into my chair, wheel myself to the bathroom, transfer onto a toilet, do everything I have to do to pee, which is not simple – get back into my chair, get back to bed. Like there's no way I couldn't even do a third of that by myself. I would either feel like I was going to pass out or throw up and I would break into a cold sweat and I just, my body just couldn't do it. And for months it was like this. And I saw every specialist under the sun, both traditional medicine and alternative medicine. I had a team of about 15 healthcare providers trying to figure out what was wrong with me and why this was happening. And nobody could find anything. Everything was perfect. And in fact, the baby's experience was textbook perfect. I used to joke that he had the book in there with him. You know, he just like, he's like, oh, day 15. Okay, I'm supposed to grow this. And he did. He just, it was perfect for him. So finally, after about six months of this, um, everybody came to a consensus, which was that my body simply couldn't sustain both me and the baby, that my body is highly compromised and it just was too much. And so it did exactly what I would have wanted it to do. It picked the baby and his experience was perfect and I had to lay down. Um, so the pregnancy part was really hard at about seven and a half months. I happened to have gotten a writing fellowship at the Vermont studio center, which is the oldest artist residency, like artist resident colony in the country. And 
I couldn't turn it down. And so we had, I had just gotten a service dog. Reba girl had just come into my life and I'm, you know, the size of a walrus and still totally exhausted. But I was like, we're going to Vermont. So we, we went to Vermont for this residency and I ended up falling out of my chair. Um, and I, uh, shattered my ankle. So I had that to deal with. Well, and they wouldn't do surgery because, you know, I was, <laughs> I was 40 some years old. How old was I? I was, I was 41, I think. And, um, yeah, I was, I was 41. So I had high, high risk pregnancy just for that. I'm paraplegic. Uh, I mean, you just, it's this constellation of dramas. And so nobody would touch it. They wouldn't do surgery. So I had this cast on my leg. It was just, it was a mess. Pregnancy was a mess. And then I went into labor and I didn't know. <laughs> um, so, which that was all really miraculous. It's a super long story. So I, I won't tell you the whole thing, but um, basically I, I, about a month before my son was born, I mean, before my son was due, I had a scare, which sent me to the ER and everything was fine. But I discovered that I had been having false contractions, basically my whole pregnancy. I just didn't recognize what I was feeling. I could feel it, but I, I didn't know what it was. I felt it, I felt it in an unusual way and in a weird place on my body. And so I didn't know what was happening, but because I had gone to the hospital, I'd been strapped up to a monitor. I now knew two days later, I had a follow-up with my OBGYN, just regular follow-up. And I, I kept saying, gosh, I'm so glad they told me this is nothing because it really, really feels like something is going on here. And I went to the doctor and, and uh, she strapped me to the monitor and looked at the tape and did her exam and asked me how long it had been since I'd eaten. <laughs> I said, you know, three o'clock or something. And she said, great. So you and Dean head over to the hospital and meet you there at 11. We'll have this baby. And we were like, What? So I was two centimeters dilated. I don't know how long I'd been in labor. Um, I had already planned to have a C-section. You know that you actually can deliver vaginally when you are paralyzed, which I just think is astounding. You know, when there's no pain and you can't control the muscles, you can't fight what's happening, and the baby basically births itself. Wait, what? It's, I know. Isn't that amazing? That's just not something I've ever thought to Google. <laughs> yeah, well, this is something I was very interested in before I got pregnant. So, but because my bones are quite weak, I have um, osteoporosis it's because of the paralysis and I've had all these fractures. And so I, I knew that I wasn't going to have a vaginal birth because I was concerned that if there were any complications, you know, all eyes would be on the baby. And that was entirely the right thing to do, but it meant that my bones were going to be at risk. Like nobody was going to be paying special attention to the positioning of my legs or my hip. And I could come out of delivery with a cracked pelvis or a you know, a busted hip, which would devastate my motherhood. So uh, I was like, no, no way, we're not, we're not taking that chance. So I was already planning to have a C-section, but I was planning to have it a month early. Um, but everything was stellar. It took about, I don't know, 26 minutes or something. We were in and out of there. There are a whole team of pediatricians standing by because my son was technically early and they took one look at him, got bored and left because he was absolutely healthy and and vibrant and vital. And, um, that was that I, I felt instantly like the minute, literally the minute they took him out of my body, I was like, Oh, I feel so much better now. <laughs> and I thought that's gotta just be adrenaline. You know, that's, that can't last. 
but it wasn't. I felt fine. And that, that was it. I felt fine from that point onward. All the fatigue, all the exhaustion, all the can't sit up, gone, instantly gone. It was the weirdest thing. So yeah, it was a, it was a huge adventure. And uh, it was super scary. And Dean and I definitely during the pregnancy wondered what the hell have we done? Because I had this very independent full life. And all of a sudden for seven months, I couldn't get out of the bed. But it all turned out glorious. And my son is now a loud, extremely talkative, um, super smart, really great, funny, seven-year-old first grader. And it's all been great. It's been really great. How have your life experiences affected the way that you raise your child? Mm, I think it has. I think it definitely has. I mean, obviously, there's the the sort of physical implications of it, you know, like we had to, Aiden and I, that's my son, we had to develop all these ways of dealing with the physical limitations of our partnership. You know, like when he was a really little baby, I couldn't pick him up off the floor by myself because I can't, I don't have enough trunk muscles to do that. So if I lean over all the way to the floor so that my hands can touch the floor, I need at least one hand to push my own body back up. I can't use two hands to pick something up off the ground. And you have this, you know, wiggly little uh, infant. There was no way I knew I couldn't do that. And Aiden learned at this super young age, he had to learn that he had to help me. He had to turn toward me. He had to do certain things. And even when he was so puny and he had virtually no control of his body, boy, he could help me get to him. He learned how to do that somehow. And um, so it definitely, it definitely changed how I just physically handled things. I also noticed that I was more trusting of him than I think most parents are of young children. Um, oftentimes we'd be walking in our neighborhood and I would let him go way out in front of me and people would sometimes walk by me and say to me, he's too far away from you. But I knew my child. I like, we had a relationship that I knew how far away from me he could be. Um, he wants my, one of my big fears coming into motherhood before I made the decision to get pregnant, one of my the biggest fears I have was what if he runs away from me? You know, what if he darts into the street to get a ball or whatever? I, I can't get to him in a split second. That's just not going to be possible. What if he runs between parked cars and there's a curb there? I mean, there's no way I could get to him. And I spoke with a friend, a woman who's now a great friend of mine, who's a quadriplegic who has a daughter. And she said to me, your child will learn. Your child will learn what, what he or she can and can't do. And I remember one time when Aiden was about two, he ran away from me. We lived thankfully on this little cul-de-sac and he ran into the cul-de-sac, not out toward the boulevard. And he was on the sidewalk. And I was calling to him and he wouldn't stop. It was the first time it happened and I was in an utter panic and I was chasing after him, wheeling after him as fast as I could. And he was way down the block and he was calling and calling and he finally stopped because he saw a twig and he got curious. 
then he bent down to examine this twig and I managed to catch up to him. I was absolutely breathless and I took him by the arm and I made I brought his face really close to mine. And I wasn't angry, but I was so, um, I don't even know the, the word for the emotion I had. I like this kind of distress. And I just, I just looked at him and I said, you can never do that. You can never run away from me. Because if something happens to you, I can't get to you. I won't be able to help you. So you can never, ever, ever run away from me. And he looked at me and he said, okay, mama. And he never did it again. His entire childhood, never once did he do it again. And so... I, you know, I was, I was a very nervous person before I was paralyzed. I was a very like, keep bad, it's so ironic, keep bad things from happening. That's why my life was going nowhere because I couldn't let it. I was so afraid of where things were going to go. Like I had to know how everything was going to turn out before I did it. So of course I didn't do anything. And had I brought that with me into motherhood, I'm sure I would have been like that with my child. I, I, I would have I would have been very anxious and always keeping him close and, and, and keeping him from doing things. And one paralysis had changed my outlook entirely on how I live my life, but also I physically could not be that mother. So I had to be a different mother and I had to ask of my child that he be a different child. And we both rose to that occasion. What advice do you have for listeners that may be going through their own life challenges, whether big or small, that would help them to harness the type of mindset that you have gained from all of this? I think the thing that I would want to say is a lot of times people hear my story and they say, wow, that's amazing. She's amazing. But I could never do that. They're imagining either being in my situation or they're looking at their own situation and they can't see how they might embody what they're hearing in me or seeing in me. And if you have listeners, if anybody out there is feeling that way, what I want to say is that you're wrong. You're wrong that you could never do that. And this is why I know that you're wrong, because I thought the same thing about myself. I had thought about being paralyzed. I had imagined this worst possible scenario. And if you had asked me moments before I fell out of a tree, could you survive? Could your life survive? Could you thrive in that circumstance? I would have absolutely positively guaranteed you no, I could not. And I would have been wrong, utterly wrong. So if you're thinking that because you haven't been able to do it so far, if you're thinking that because you haven't been able to do it in the past, all of that is only what it was then. It's not evidence of what's possible now. We are all, every single one of us, underestimating what we can do. And my encouragement is look for the right support. I coach. There are other people that help with this kind of thing. 
look for the right support. Because with enough of the right support, we can do extraordinary things. For listeners out there who would like to find that support from you or just find out more about you, where would you like them to go? Oh, please come visit my website, lianastrelkoff.com. We have a brand new website up. And um, there's actually, there's even a form on the website where you can apply for a complimentary discovery session. I would love to get into a conversation with anybody who's struggling with this. And let's make a game plan that's specific for, the, for you, for that person. I am here. I'm available. I'm of service. This is my life. This is, this is why my life was spared, so that I could share these stories, so that I could bring this perspective, and so that I could be a guide on these treacherous roads and hold a lantern. So go there, reach out to me. I will reach back. And thank you so much for all that you shared with us today. This was probably my most powerful and emotional interview that I've had on the show. So thank you again. Thank you. It's really been my pleasure, Melissa. I just know this is one of those interviews that's going to stick with me for a really long time. For any of the links mentioned in this episode, including Leanna's website, head to mindlove.com slash 020 for the show notes. I'm also going to embed one of Leanna's talks, which is super powerful and I highly recommend that you watch. I was laughing, I was crying, and I didn't even have any wine that day. I'm also going to embed Leanna and Dean's wedding dance, which is definitely worth a watch as well. And if you have a moment, I'm going to ask you all a big favor, but it'll only take a second. If you could just leave a review on iTunes, it helps so much with the growth of this show and enticing more amazing guests like Leanna to agree to come on. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you didn't get the memo in the beginning of this episode, head to mindlove.com to sign up for the morning mind love, or you can text morning to 444-999. You'll get short daily reminders of your own beauty, worth, and power. So you can start each day with a positive mindset and keep your vibes up between episodes. Plus, you'll get all the amazing goodies and free gifts that I mentioned as well. So that's mindlove.com or text MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 